As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I think we could probably do it in eight and a half minutes. And actually, I'd tell you what, we could ask a favour, couldn't we, of our podcast audience just what? play it on the special slow one. Yeah, and it'll last longer. Yeah. Because I've got to go out. I'm going out tonight. So if you turn it down to 0.5 or whatever... Mm. You'll get your money's worth. Yeah, you will. Yeah. Uh, now, um, last night, uh, at about ten past eight, I seriously considered putting the heating on. <laughs> you and me both. Oh, really? I didn't. Yeah. I just went to get a jumper. Uh, but it's it's. I know it's in complete contrast to what's going on in the rest of the world. It was, it was weird, cold. wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was cold. I, exactly about exactly the same time I was in textual conversation with somebody mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. I said I'm thinking about putting the heating on and the reply came back I won't tell anybody and, and, and it's I a very thought, fruity exchange you were having little insights into my <laughs> evening <laughs> and I thought it was it was that kind of you're being naughty type mm. thing. I thought, yeah. okay, well, I won't. So I reached down uh, to the right-hand side of the sofa to where there's a duvet that's kept uh, tightly wrapped in yes. a in a basket for the winter months. So mm. I thought, oh, well, I'll just use that. Well, surely nobody would know. You launder it between the seasons. Well, Barbara had only peed in it. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean... So I, I unleashed the duvet to the most god-awful smell oh, of kind of three-month-old wee. Little perisher. She is... She really she's is. She's not actually got over her, because she was doing that early doors, and she's yep. still having a little piddle, is she? Yep, she's, I, I dread to think where else she's piddled. Whereas lovely Brian, he's never wrong. Oh, he's a saint, our Brian, isn't he? <laughs> our Brian certainly is. Mm, let's hear it for Brian, <laughs> the cat who never pees. Whereas Barbara... <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> Well, that Barbara impersonation will live long in the memory. Uh, welcome to Off Air. Now, today's big guest is Eddie Reader, who was the lead singer of Fairground Attraction. Now, they were a band, of course, who had that phenomenal album that included the song Perfect, which I'm not going to hum or even reference particularly. It's in my head already. It never once heard completely <laughs> impossible to forget. A massive, massive hit. But um, they were sort of a troubled unit and they broke up within about 18 months, I think. So they didn't, they made a a second album was kind of rushed out, but it was mainly B-sides and outtakes and stuff. So there were only ever the two albums, but they are that band that you forever associate with a particular time 
in the was it the late 80s or early 90s maybe it straddled the decades yeah but it's funny actually because eddie came in today didn't she and she she looked absolutely how i imagined the eddie reader of 2023 Mm. to look because she's got a verve and flair about her hasn't she she was always in color yes that's what i remember about her she was just a very very colorful artist when everybody might have been a bit more beige yes or Or, black and white white. Yeah. yeah monochrome yeah no she was you're absolutely right actually she had that kind of almost a balladeer type look about a middle-aged troubadour look Gosh, I've gone really intellectual. You have. I uh, think she's got a drawer full of colourful scarves. That's oh, I, I think, think she probably has. I mean, yeah. that's the mark of the middle-aged woman, though, isn't it? <laughs> I was actually in my scarf drawer only the other day. <laughs> you start lashing one round your neck and suddenly everybody thinks you're 25 again. It's thinks marvellous. It can brighten any outfit. <laughs> it really can. Anyway, Eddie Reader is going to be with us. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've already done the interview a little later. In fact, we haven't got long today. We've got a lot to get through. We have. And we need to get away. Could we just, without mentioning his name, Mm. uh, just relive the fantastic text that we got towards the end of the programme from a man in Basingstoke? Because we've been talking about Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London's latest campaign to try and stop uh, violence against women and misogyny. And it's basically a group of blokes who uh, should be calling out their mate for making some really horrible comments and then really lewd suggestions and patronising Uh, things about women and uh, it's not lots of people think it's a bit of a kind of um, icky iteration but I don't think anybody really disputes the message which is you know don't don't be a prat Uh, but our correspondent said well he said he was sick to death of the (laughs) anti-male sentiments on our program I don't whether he meant from us or whether the what he considers to be the uh, far too frequent what he perceives as anti-male content, which might simply be the news of the day, which more often than not features what we might describe as challenging behaviour by the male of the species. and it's the mayor of London's campaign. It's not us. You and I haven't gone out and made a film. No, because I I don't think that would have any impact on the behaviour of young men, I have to say, although we're more than willing to make a film, obviously. Um, No, John, uh, he was very... Oh, I've just mentioned his name. Anyway, he just doesn't really matter because there are probably quite a few Johns in Basingstoke. Uh, But he didn't like that. But he did like the interview with Eddie (laughs) Reid. No, you just, I thought it was very balanced text. Um, I can't stand the programme, but I did enjoy that interview and I shan't be listening again. Well, not until tomorrow anyway, at three o'clock, when oh, I probably will tune in. It just made me laugh. Against my better judgment. To hear, by the way, tomorrow, Carol Kirkwood. More ladies, John. <laughs> Brace yourself, John. There might be a bit of climate change chat there as well, what with Carol being a meteorologist. And a novelist. Best-selling novelist. Best-selling novelist. Yeah. Uh, Secrets from the Villa Amore is her offering for this summer. And I think it'll satisfy many an eager beaver reader. Mm, blimey. Well, that's a recommendation. Put that on the back, Carol. <laughs> uh, hello both, uh, says Martha and David in brackets. Just a very quick email to let you know that my partner and I got engaged on Thursday as prompted by your podcast. We were sat on a bench listening to the podcast when an email mentioned a partnership proposal. My now fiancé turned to say that talking of partnership proposals, 
He had a ring in his pocket and wanted to ask me to marry him. I am proud to have your podcast as part of my personal history. Thank you for your part. Well, Martha, Gosh. I mean, don't be shy with the invitation. No. We've both got hats, as previously mentioned. We've got scarves. And we can be at any gathering of your choosing. I think, well, can I just maybe say, not the Channel Islands. No, not, may, not, may not, not the UK. Or the Isle of Man. <laughs> or the Isle of Wight. Or anywhere more than 10 miles from my home in East West Kensington. And if you want us to read a lesson, that will be extra. Um, you can consult our agent, who is ever willing to deal with offers. But huge congratulations. Yes, and that as well. And and obviously, if he's a male listener to uh, this lady's fluff, uh, then he's a keeper. So we wish you well. Yeah. Oh, I should, uh, somehow, you said fluff, ladies' yeah. fluff. I then thought bum fluff. I don't know why. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, I'm telling. Actually, why did you tell me? <laughs> anyway, that made me but think also, about... why have you told it? <laughs> I don't know, I've forgotten where I am. But then that reminded me of bowel cancer and that reminded me of the incredibly good uh, person we had, the Chief Executive of Bowel Cancer Research UK today Yes, on the Times Radio programme. You can listen back on the Times Radio app, it's free. And I thought she gave the clearest explanation I've ever heard of what you need to watch out for in terms of bowel cancer symptoms. I would agree, and uh, she did it very concisely, yeah. and then we talked through the test and how to do the test. Yeah. And, yeah, no, you're right. And uh, we were talking really because of George Alagaya's death and he had bowel cancer, um, but I think by the time he was diagnosed, it was in advanced stages, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and Genevieve Edwards' message was just so clear. Yeah. There's a test available that you can do mm. at the first sign of trouble or even before trouble starts, yeah. uh, which is available to anybody. Uh, it's just a real shame that a third of the people who get sent that test in the post do not do not do it. Yeah, and you just got to scoop um, out a bit of poo. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talk about the logistics and, and what... And she just said, you know, that whole business of change in bowel habits, and I must confess, I'd wondered, well, what does that mean? And she couldn't have made it clearer. If what normal, If what is normal for you changes then you really do, that's when you need to just bear it in mind a little yeah. bit. And also it's just so treatable if yeah. you catch it really early. So she mm. talks all about, you know, what happens when you go for a colonoscopy and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, do it, do it, do it. Download the app. It's free. And uh, if you want a pointer, it was about half past four, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, now, incredibly, I've made a mistake. So I'm just going to correct it. Uh, hi, Fee and Jane. I just wanted to start by saying how much I love your podcast. I'm going to include this kind of thing now because I'm on this anti-self-deprecation drive. Go, girl. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I'm probably in the younger demographic of your loyal listeners, but I do find you both a comfort. Well, thank you. Um, it's much appreciated. And this is from Aoife, so I hope I've pronounced that right, because Jane has now, as she tells me, twice incorrectly mentioned that Dr Katrina O'Sullivan is a lecturer at Trinity College Dublin. Now, despite going through formal education there, she is actually a senior lecturer in Maynooth University. Despite its international fame, here in Ireland, Trinity isn't ranked as a better university than any other, at least by public perception. 
For example, a science degree from Trinity is as valuable to you as a science degree from any of the other national universities when working in a multinational pharmaceutical company such as the one I work in. The prestige of Trinity comes from the time when we had British rule in Ireland and Catholics were not allowed to go to Trinity. Therefore, the attendees were of the gentrified class. Much of that has been abolished as our admission system here is anonymised and based on academic results. Um, so I often think of a friend who did an exchange to Berkeley University, an Ivy League place in the States, and she was constantly asked, was she a Trinity student? Upon then learning that she was Irish, when they learned that she was Irish, she could have accepted a place at Trinity just as easily, but chose a university closer to her family in a city where rent is much more affordable. So that is interesting. And I thank you for, for making it clear that um, I, a lot of people I know think that Trinity is a more significant institution than other Irish universities. And it's good to be reminded of its origins as uh, an Anglican, a Church of England establishment or Church of Ireland establishment in what is now the Republic. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for the help with your name as well. Yes. And if I have made any more cock-ups, you can always email again, Jane and Fee at times.radio. Good stuff. Uh, dear Fee and Jane, just to say that things can take a positive swerve after 45. Uh, so we set this little train in motion yesterday, uh, just asking for your stories about when things have gone right after the age of 45. And our correspondent, Dr Janet Withall, says when my children were young and I had a reasonably successful marketing and PR career, midlife professional boredom and a mild obsession with what I was feeding my kids led me to start a part-time MSc in nutrition, physical activity and public health at the age of 46. One thing led to another. I completed a PhD at 42 and now at 63, I manage a large randomised controlled trial researching ways to improve physical function in older adults. Top tip, we would all lose it. Uh, P.S. My friend recently completed a cycling lead jog. Do you know what that is? Uh, I don't actually. What is it? It is the acronym for Land's End to John O'Groats. Wow. Big achievement, but wind slightly taken out of sails when some bloke oh, rocked no. up on, you guessed it. I can't believe it. Yeah. Penny Farthing. What is with the penny farthings? I thought there were only about five left in the whole world, but everywhere where people are just looking up from a normal cappuccino on a Saturday morning or just your average cycling ride from one end of the country to the other, there's a bloody penny farthing. Uh, talking of repeat offenders, there's a lot of beaver news again in the newspapers today, wasn't it? They're never more than a couple of minutes away from building a dam, wrecking a farmer's something or other, or generally causing mild slightly salacious mirth across the nation. I think beavers have got the PR that sloths need. <laughs> and kale once had. Yeah. yeah. They, they are PR'd to within an inch of their life, aren't they? <laughs> they really are. Are you doing PR for beavers? <laughs> You've just come off Barbie and now you're back on beavers. Uh, by the way, I noticed well. you didn't mention the institution at which Dr Janet Withall is, <laughs> is associated. Oh, the University of Birmingham. Yes. Yep. Your, yes. your, I never know how to say the second part of this, but I'm going in anyway. Alma mater. Alma mater, I'd prefer. <laughs> okay. Don't think it's correct. I knew Alma. She was a great gal. Uh, G'day, Jane and Fee. Could we take a moment to celebrate the freedom that paying for stuff with your phone has given us women? I, All yes. we need... Which, shush. Yeah, I agree. No, go on. 
All we need when we go out now is a pocket, just like a man. No more handicapping ourselves with a handbag or deforming our bodies by hitching one shoulder higher than the other. Just a phone in the pocket or in the pocket. What pocket? Damn, so close, says Pam, who's listening to us in Auckland, New Zealand. Well, let's take that moment because I completely agree and I'd not thought of that before. But I can't leave the house with just my phone anymore. It makes me nervous. Uh, I... Well, this is an interesting point because I do sometimes leave the house with just my phone, did it this morning. And because I am used to the fabulous nature, the convenient nature of the smartphone, I forgot my key. Oh. Not ideal. So could you phone somebody to sort it? Well, because I had my phone, I was able to alert my resident child who slightly reluctantly agreed to come to the door. Okay, well, that's good. That's not much of an anecdote, is it? No, but do you think Um, there'll ever come a time where... Would you be happy to be... (laughs) I can't wait for this. (laughs) What are you building up to? It's not a question I thought I would ever ever ask. (laughs) Well, you've asked me quite a lot. (laughs) Would you consent to be microchipped? (laughs) (laughs) Would I consent to be microchipped? Um, Yes. I think I probably would for sheer convenience. And as a pensioner, when I'm likely to become, well, I'm not going to become more able to remember stuff, am I? I think it would be ideal. Then what? You could just approach your front door, gently headbutt it. Yeah. Very gently, obviously. Well, I was thinking more. Yeah, you could just do that. um, You know, just kind of flick your wrist up and something would click. I'd like to be microchipped in my arm. I don't want to be microchipped in my head. I don't know why. I'm sure you. <laughs> not sure that's a huge difference. Your personality could be hugely enhanced by a Thank microchip you. in your head. Thank you. Um, well, I, I, don't, I mean, I, yes, it's it, the smartphones are convenient. I, I, the beauty of them, they are majestic instruments. It's just the addiction thing I can't get over. I just still continue to find it immensely depressing. Can I be really honest as well? I don't take my smartphone into the studio, so I have two hours every day. It's not in my hand, and pathetically, and I think people will understand this, I feel a rush of adrenaline as I go back to it at about a minute past five. Yeah. Now, isn't that tragic? Uh, no, it's not tragic. I think it it's is. It's just you've just bought into the modern world. And, I mean, the hit is those people have contacted you and you're updated and, you know, you're safe in the knowledge that you can send something back to them. You know, we are... Attached, aren't we? We're just attached. And it's the attachment that I both resent and also like. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, we need to get on to Eddie Reader because we've both got very hectic lives. But uh, I did want to include this from Catherine who says, I'm writing on behalf of a dear friend and fellow listener, currently unable to access her email as she is traipsing around North America on adventurous fieldwork for her supposedly four-year but likely longer PhD. Last month, she had the pleasure of looking after a cat who enjoyed being taken out on walks in a modified pram enclosed in mesh. The cat places herself in the pram until she's finally taken out. Then she sits upright, craning her neck out, looking out very alertly and clearly engaging with the world. Unfortunately, the only public green space near her residence is a cemetery, so my friend felt extremely eccentric, pushing this little black cat through the graves. In the picture attached, I rather think the cat looks like a widow whose rich husband died under suspicious circumstances. It's quite a look. I'm showing that to you. I completely get what you mean. The cat also has a harness and a leash, so she can run around the garden, but she doesn't go on the streets in said get-up. 
As an aside, when I got my own cat, Nora, I did harness training, as I hated the idea of her running around on her own killing birds, but also didn't want to deprive her of stimulation. Well, despite lots of assurances that cats can learn to walk on leashes if introduced as kittens, Nora thoroughly rejected it by refusing to walk at all and is now a very happy, albeit bloodthirsty, independent outdoor cat. Thank you for that full-bodied email on the subject of cats, Catherine. Much appreciated. Right. Eddie Reader. We will take more on cats. Probably not much more. None. <laughs> um, Brokeback Mountain is a seminal film uh, starring Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal. And actually, possibly because of Heath Ledger's death, there's a sort of sadness associated with Brokeback Mountain, isn't there, the mm. film? Uh, and it was a very, very sad film uh, set in the 1960s in Wyoming in the States about two young cowboys who fell in love but just couldn't be together. It just wasn't something that could have been possible back then. It might still be pretty tough now, for all I know. Uh, it's now become a stage play. It's not a musical as such. It's a play with songs, and it's on at the Soho Place Theatre in London until the 12th of August. The songs are performed by a great band with vocals from Eddie Reader. Now, I was really surprised. It's over 30 years since her band Fairground Attraction broke up and she told me that Brokeback Mountain is pretty different stuff for her and she assured everybody listening it isn't a musical in the traditional sense. Yes, um, it's not so much that it's certainly not a musical. It's not gingangooly and everybody gets up and does a dance. It's uh, uh, The music was supposed to be part of the characters in the company. So the band plays uh, the role of emotional ballast so and also it's very gestalt because we're watching it with the audience yeah. we're watching the scenes unfold and so is uh one of the characters is older ennis played by paul hickey and basically this is all directly from annie prue's book the 58 page short story that a novella. she wrote a novella they call yeah. it yes and and it, it was in the new yorker i think and um I think she was uh, she was approached by Ashley Rob Robertson, the writer, and he and she totally approved of the idea, uh, and then she loved what he'd done with it. And to take it from the book, uh, it means that there's there's less of a um, this isn't a story about a certain genre or type or cliche or niche area of our humanity. It's about human beings dealing with fear. At all times, like yeah. we all deal with fear. It's universal, isn't it? Actually, absolutely. I mean, we've got uh, we've got the the wife and her fear and shame and guilt, and you've got the boss and his fear and shame and guilt. You've got the character himself, Ennis. It's all based around Ennis. So older Ennis is in the bed, and then his kind of ghost of his memories come back, and we see how his life played out from the age of 18. Now, I've got to say, having seen the film, which is obviously the most famous, mm. uh, Brokeback Mountain came out, to my surprise, 2006. Wow. A long time ago. Annie Prue's short story was even older than that, obviously. Yeah. And I think she based it on a, a, an evening she spent where she saw an older man in a bar appearing to look, perhaps, you might say too closely, at younger men playing pool, I think mm. it was. And she envisaged his life as wow. a man who'd never been able to find the love he really wanted. Fulfillment. I mean, we all have 
the, the men that got away, as Judy Garland once sang. Um, but there's, there is that, there's those regrets that you think, what if it could have been? And, but I think um, in their situation with the Brokeback Mountain characters, uh, Jack and Ennis, played amazingly by Lucas Hedges and Mike Feist, there's, there's this real genuine, authentic love that they have for one another playful um it's fraternal but it's it, it moves into a drunken night but then they have to deal with what does that mean and who are we and they also love other things they love their wives they love their children they love their parents they are the one ennis's parents got killed in a car crash so he's from very early on, we get the story that this is a, a damaged human yeah. being, yeah. and then we find out that their 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 love relationships, i.e., their natal parental relationships, was where the rot would begin. You know, so the the masculinity of the father being a threat, and also the um, the both of them were abused. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, and that, that comes out, which is something I must admit I'd either forgotten about the film or it wasn't in the film. So I, I learned something about these characters from I the I think play. it's a deeper in, as a deeper dive into what triggers fear in human beings mm. and and why it can it can completely devastate a life and if you allow it and you haven't got the emotional capacity to get your head round round the back of it really. I did wonder how on stage in Soho in London yeah. you were going to be able to recreate the big open spaces of Wyoming. <laughs> and, um, how is it done, do you think? Mm. The tech is outstanding. I had to learn how to, you can't, I, you know, the lovely Sean Green is the MD. and uh, Musical he, director. Musical director, yes. And he, he, he ha he's in charge of making sure we, we all play at the right time. And he's dealing with me and BJ Cole, who are both touring musicians. We now, are authentic. BJ Cole is a noted, what's his uh, instrument? BJ Cole's a pedal steel player. He played on uh, Kiki D records in 1968, all the way through. He's played on Tiny Dancer. He played on Scott Walker's Make It Easy On Yourself. Right. So he's, he's, he's the real thing. He's the real deal. And in fact, that was a massive, uh, a massive hook for me to get involved. And of course, the sound that he creates with uh, Greg Miller on harmonica and Mealy Trail, Mealy Trail on bass—that's her name—and she's, she, she, uh, Mealy and Sean are, are the most experienced, I think, in the theatre world. So there was times when he had to direct us and I'd be like, I'll count myself and you don't need anybody to count me in. And he's going, I have to do it. It's my job. I had to, you know, he had to deal with diva me for, for the <laughs> beginning. Um, you know, he, I have to do it because the bed comes up there and the table goes down there and the light goes on then. So this has been a real learning curve for Real you learning for yeah. me. Um, not as natural as... Uh, as as I thought I would I would I, I wanted to be much more natural with it, but then I found my naturalness came out once the structure was in place. And it it was it was a resistant thing for me. I was I was very much this should flow where it wants to, you know, this should go where it wants to. But it, it it's difficult in theatre to do that because everything's relying on on the speech and the and the lines. And, and the songs have been created for this show yes. by a man actually who's in a band I really love called The Feeling. Yes. This is Dan Dan Gillespie Sales. And Dan uh, he he often says 
I was raised by uh, uh, two lesbian parents and we went to Galway in Ireland or south of Ireland for our holidays every year. And the two cassette tapes they had in the car was Women of Country 1 and Women of Country 2. Right, he so, had no choice, really. <laughs> so he fell in love with that genre. Yeah. And then, of course, when this opportunity came, the, the music actually is supposed to represent the mountain and the universal love of life and the it, the the kind of the the all encompassing acceptance that that uh, the world can have mm. for every human being except when our minds get in the way yeah and it's we should say i didn't realize this either it, Brokeback mountain was set in 1963 yeah. which i think was 4 years before homosexuality was decriminalized in England and Wales. Wow. So, you know, back in, in Wyoming, yes. their relationship would have been completely impossible. Well, uh, <clears throat> legally, illegal, yes, but more than that, you had marauding animals of, of, of emotionally uh, dull and uh, non-intelligent human beings who would murder you if yeah. you, if you came across across as a gay person or if they suspected you. And, and one boy in 1991 in Wyoming was left for dead on a fence. He was 21. And I think his parents activated some law after that. You know, their only son was just... And I think those kind of moments in our, our history, which we have to come to terms with, you know, we have mm. to realise that there nothing happened in a vacuum. We've got to this stage... And, yeah, when people moan that they want it better, you think, yes, of course you do, of course you do. But we have to be grateful that we're not stuck in that dark ages and, you know, the, the kind of Neanderthal times of, of you can't love who you want to love, you know. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We are talking to Eddie Reader, who is currently starring as the balladeer in Brokeback Mountain, The Play, which is on in London right now. Now, before all the Brit Awards and the Platinum Records and her MBE for services to music, Eddie's musical career had begun rather less glamorously by busking in Socky Hall Street in Glasgow. Yes, yes. Now, I mean, I did I, a bit. That, that, I kind of, um, that was where I kind of got 
a lot of money for for what I consider to be not very much work. I just sung a song to people and, and I enjoyed the process. But more importantly, I think when you're a child of music, you're a musical child at the age dot, really. And I my family was full of records and, you know, people playing music. The Beatles, my, my babysitting aunties were all in love with Paul McCartney. And so we, you know, as five-year-olds and four-year-olds, we were in, we were infused with all that 60s kind of beauty in mm. music. And for me, uh, my mother had a beautiful singing voice and she, Jean Reader, she, Jean Hayes, before she was married, and she... Uh, She's in. She's eighty-five right now. I know you don't want me to tell everybody, Mum, but you look great on it. Um, she's, she's still just, singing. Still singing. She loves her music, and I actually think that as a child she was a singing thing, like I was. But she, of course, there was no access to that in in Glasgow, in Anderson, in the in the kind of slums of Glasgow at that time. She just got on with it and became a wife and mother. Um, there's a lot of women in my background that seem to have had to put their dreams on the shelf to do that. And well, uh, Wikipedia says your grandma was a successful footballer. Yes, Granny Reader was was the captain of the Rutherglen Ladies in 1927 when it was all banned and no one knew. So when she got married and had my dad and my uncles and aunties, she, she put her football boots in the cupboard and that was it, it was yeah. gone. But yes, a lot of my mother's singing uh, infected me probably from the womb. And I could gauge that if 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 life was happy, my mother was singing. When life was not happy, my mother was not singing. So I came to associate singing with feeling good. What was um, her happy song? A Friendly Persuasion by Pat Boone. Okay. The I love, soft as a meadow on yonder hill. Give me your hat and your gloves. What is it? And come with me for the I love. Very beautiful song. And I can't even sing it without getting a wound. No, God, I'm feeling quite... We don't hear much <laughs> Pat Boone these days, let's well, be honest. I, I, whenever my mother's feeling a little tetchy with something or other, maybe she's had a cold call and those nonsense oh, yeah. people that try and annoy us with their selling us of things we don't need, um, I would put on Nat King Cole. And she snapped right out of it. <laughs> She'll start talking about all the songs that she loved. And and there's songs that she has in her head that I don't think anyone's ever heard for years. So, uh, yeah, she's she's a, a mind of information. And I think she actually had perfect pitch and didn't realise. Yeah. So she was a singing thing. So what did she make of it when you, you didn't have an overnight success, mm. not by any stretch? I mean, you were doing backing vocals. I didn't realise you'd been in the gang of four as yeah. well. I mean, all sorts of stuff. Did you do backing vocals on the Waterboys' Hole of the Moon? Yeah, that was me. I mean, that is... One no, of... no, wait a minute. Yeah, don't no, lie. I've got that wrong. Don't lie. Uh, hang on. I did, I did backing vocals on there, the big music. Right. The big music, which uh, the whole of the moon, I wish I'd got on that, but that they'd, uh, I'd already, I think I'd already gone into working with Fairground Attraction then. There was a whole time in the 80s where you could get singles and I don't even know how many things I've sung on, but right. certainly any not successful single in the 80s if you found it in a charity shop there'd be me screeching all over it and <laughs> I you know I I, I tended to uh, use that whole 80s period as my learning curve kind of like I'm doing with this Brokeback Mountain I'm uh, 
I like to I like to try things that that might expand me. Yeah. So things, um, the album that everybody's got. I need to remind myself: the first of a million kisses. You got you got Brit Brit Awards for that for the single yeah. Perfect as well. Triple Platinum in twenty seven different countries. Yes, uh, but the band didn't. It didn't last that long, did it? No, it didn't. Although uh, being in London, I did sing with Mark, who wrote uh, those songs uh, apart from Whispers, which was mine. Um, he was singing in Hampstead, and I I just went up there and. And we went went on stage for the first time in thirty years and and sung. So, Brokeback Mountain has brought a lot of healing to me. And, yeah. And he's coming to see it next week. Roy and Simon have seen it at the uh, a few weeks ago. Um. Yeah. And we all went for brunch and where Stanley Baxter has his breakfast. Apparently. Good grief. I know. <laughs> it just seemed very uh, cyclic. The whole thing. I've, it's so, thirty uh, years ago. So. Is it really okay? Yeah, I mean, almost. I I, more than that, I'd say. But yeah, but thirty-four because sa- my son is thirty-four, Charlie. Yeah. And uh, and he um, make sure you do the dishes while I'm away, Charlie. Um, uh, he was in my womb, uh, and he began his journey. When I sung the last note of Hallelujah, we'll kiss the first of a million kisses. And I looked down at the pregnancy kit and it said positive. I don't believe. Is that true? That's, that's a true. great story. That's exactly what happened. I was it we were in Chip and Norton and we did the whole album in about three weeks. And I sung the last note of Hallelujah, which is the last song on the album. And I went into the bathroom and looked at the pregnancy kit and there it was do you still play that album well i mean i play the songs i like the songs i'm i'm terrible for records and things like that i i i have masses masses and masses and masses of cds records 78s even i've i'll buy wind up gramophones so that i can play you know the original 78 of frank sinatra singing some beautiful song because i want to hear how it how it was for him mm. when he first heard it and the feeling in the room. Al Jolson, you know, Louis Armstrong is my god. So I'm kind of into uh, into experiencing music in the moment. So with those songs, I try and, you know, incorporate them. But you in, wouldn't listen say. to yourself particularly? No, no, I, no, I wouldn't. Because I'd always want to go back and do it again and and I would always... I would hear a different person. It's like looking at pictures of yourself when you were younger. You kind of go, oh... That wasn't that bad. <laughs> but at the time, it was full of angst and anxiety. And now, as an older woman, I'm kind of... I'm kind of young. As Dylan says, I'm younger than that now. <laughs> yeah, well, too right. Can we have a brief word? I know you're quite passionate, well, perhaps you... I think you still are, about Scottish independence. Well, yeah. Is that one a little bit... Um, maybe not as likely as it might have been well, five I years do, ago? Well, I, I think that all um, countries should be autonomous and, and their democracy should be theirs. I don't think it's fair on England that we should be having your democracy. We should have ours. And I don't see there's a problem with that. We will still be friends, lovers, dinner partners, you know, we still go on holiday with each other. I just think it, it, it seems really unfair that we've never voted for what you vote for for 55... No, since 1955. Yeah, but it so, might be different at the next election. But even that, we're only getting it while you want it. And until you don't want it, we have to just kowtow to that. And I just, I just think that's unfair. It's like living in a flat with somebody who's bigger than you and them deciding what's in the fridge. And that is the reason Eddie Reader continues to believe in Scottish independence. Yeah, it's a nice analogy. I like yeah, a good analogy. I liked it. 
Uh, well, that was absolutely lovely, and I hope every man in Basingstoke thoroughly enjoyed uh, that meeting of minds. And uh, do you know if Brokeback Mountain, the musical, is going on tour? Or is it only going to stay in the London I town? I don't know whether it's going on tour. I think there might be a possibility of it going to, as we say, Broadway. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I'm not sure whether Eddie would go on that trip, but I think... Because um, the actors in it, are both they're both American actors. Uh, one of them, um, I can't remember which, has been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for the film, very depressing film, Manchester by the Sea. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, but they're, they're great actors. And I, I I mean, it's, you know, I shouldn't focus on the fact that it's 90 minutes straight through with no interval. But for me, that makes theatre better and more enjoyable. I know you don't agree. But I know sometimes people think, oh, God, I'm going to go to the theatre. And, and there have been times in my life when I've enjoyed my favourite part of the play has just been the end because it means I can go... <laughs> and it wasn't the case with Brokeback Mountain. So I do urge people to take a look. OK. And uh, I don't want to completely repeat our conversation that we had on air today, but I like an interval. Yeah. I'd just like to be able to see each end in sight, Jane. And I find 90 minutes would be too much for me. Uh, can I just say hello to Lucy, uh, who describes herself as being in menopausal weather-struck Devon, and to uh, Cassinia, and I really hope I've pronounced your name, uh, properly and huge apologies if I haven't um, but both of you have really enjoyed watching Deadlock and I'm going to carry on banging on about that because it's just so funny never seen anything like it uh, it's Deadlock with a CH at the end of it not a CK mm -hmm. and it's available on the Amazon Prime mm -hmm. and it's a kind of it's almost like a post-feminist crime drama uh, but it is awful funny. I don't think John in Basingstoke will like that. <laughs> no I don't think he will mm -hmm. uh, but um, yeah we'll find something for him Keep trying John. Have a good very <laughs> Well, we better just finish, I think. Good night. Well done for getting to the end of another episode of Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. And don't forget, there is even more of us every afternoon on Times Radio. It's Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5. You can pop us on when you're pottering around the house or heading out in the car on the school run. Or running a bank. Thank you for joining us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Don't be so silly. Running a bank? I know, lady. A lady listener. I'm sorry. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.